Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. That's gis.sport.fnr. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! It's getting towards the crunch time of the A-League final season. And if you're watching us or listening to us on the podcast, be from Twitch or, you know, a a preferred pre-recorded on-demand platform, and you're wondering, why do we look a little bit green around the gills? Why do we sound a little bit nasally? Well, the answer is that myself, Lockie Flanagan, and Jason Goldsmith here on the Oz Football Hour We've come down with a very severe case of finals fever. (laughs) Of finals fever. The only way to get through it is to spend the next hour reviewing what we've seen in the past few weeks or in the over the weekend in the elimination finals and uh, getting into all the wonderful things that have uh, well, I say wonderful things have been interesting bits of news. Not all of them wonderful, but we're going to discuss them all over the next hour because that is the only cure to, to, to finals fever. Absolutely, Lockie. It's good to be here. A couple of games last week. We've got four games to go before the grand final in the A-League. Uh, a few weeks out from the Socceroos qualifier as well. Uh, Aussie's doing some wonderful things in Europe as well, which we'll get get to, I'm sure, at some stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, where, where do we want to start? I, we probably should. I mean, the best way to really dig into uh, a final save ailment is to is to get straight into the final. So shall we shall we start in in chronological order? Western United 1-0. Yes. The old scoreline that we saw so many times at the start of the season finally returning to them at the crucial moment at the back end of the season. 1-0 to the Western Boys against the Wellington Phoenix. You were at this game, Jason? No, no, that- I wasn't at no, this one. I watched I was this, at this one. Game. You were at this game. The 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 great thing about this game I think and the highlight that's been taken from it it's got to be Jamie Young's Magnificent save. Yeah, um, absolutely. To, to see that replayed over and over, that was world class. And it's quite funny. We talk about, you know, Mark Birrigitte probably being the better ones in the in the competition and Ollie Sale in the New Zealand squad and being fantastic. But Jamie Young has been consistently one of the best goalkeepers going around. Uh, he's 36 years of age. He's mm. uh, studying for his PhD. Uh, he does a lot of work in, uh, in sort of mentoring uh, young aspiring uh, footballers and students. But... That save was just – that's a big career highlight. It was amazing. Well, it, it might have been the fact that one of the uh, one of the journalists, Joey Lynch, in the press scrum at full time yep. at, at the post-match interview was wearing an England jersey. But uh, John Aloisi did describe the uh, the save as a Banksian. It was a Banksian save. It, it, well, I'm not sure – um, I think Pele and Gordon Banks might get a few more watches on YouTube than Jamie, Jamie Young if people are actually um, – Putting it in, but yeah, it was, but it, it, it was at that level. Oh, it was, it was, it was home. I watched it. I remember watch. I was watching it. Um, I had the sound down. I was um, it was a Saturday night, so I was watching it with the sound down and just audibly out loud, just went wow. 
Because it was. Yeah. It was gone. That was the goal. That was the equaliser and it was going to be game on. But it pretty much kept him in there. And you could see how pumped he was too. Like he knew what a good save it was. Yeah. And he got his team up and about after that. I mean, and, and obviously the, the crucial thing is that the initial palm denies a, a, a sure Wellington goal. But the thing that impressed me the most about it is not that he was able to get across. It was the fact that once he got across, the right palm that he launched at it with his, his quite uh, prominent biceps, yes, might I add, yep. he was able to push the ball away from the goal, like get enough force behind it to push it away out of danger. And that, that's like that's almost as difficult because you see, you see plenty of goalkeepers pull off outstanding reaction saves yep. and they get the fingertips to it, but not enough sort of of a palm oh, behind it to get it out of danger. Yeah. But he got he got his whole hand behind the ball and tipped it away from any on-rushing Wellington player. So the chance to, to knock it home after the save was completely gone as well. And I mean, it, and the crazy thing as well, it wasn't even the only outstanding save that he made in this game. That was the best. But yep. the other really important uh, stop that he was able to make five minutes into the game before before Weston were able to make it 1-0 with that moment of quality from Alex Prijevic, mm. the save that he made down to his right off the long shot on the edge of the box from, from Piscopo, yep. if that goes in, I mean, we're potentially, yeah. we're potentially talking about a, a completely different game here and the second save, outstanding though it was, might even have been a moot point um, you know, at that time of the game. So the fact that he's produced both of those in the same game is, yeah, is completely unbelievable one to to prevent them from going ahead and then another to prevent them from wellington from getting back in the game is is unbelievable it is unbelievable i'm not a, i'm not a big one for goalkeepers in short sleeves to be to be honest but um if you've got jamie young arms and you pull off saves like that you can get away with it i guess if, he if has got his biceps yeah. you, you wear the short sleeves. i didn't realize either he's a england youth representative jamie yeah. young was so that's, a- that's quite amazing for aussie born guy with some, yeah uh, not, with some not a lot of people yeah. people know that but i, I remember i remember you know, as as every good A League nerd does, just randomly looking at the Wikipedia page yeah. of certain players, and Jamie Young was was one who was like, ah, oh, yeah, England youth caps. Again, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pick that. Probably un, unlucky, given uh, one thing that Australia does produces quality goalkeepers. Yes. That probably made him unlucky. He should, probably should have got a, a you know. At some stage, he's not going to get it now at 36. But, you know, well, when you're talking about, you know, A-League guys as the third goalkeeper in squads and that kind of thing, that he was probably should have been up and around the mark at some stage. Yeah, and, and the thing is, Western United have copped quite a lot of criticism this season for the the, man, the, yeah. the average age of, mm. of the squad and, and turning towards the older heads too often. And I will put my hands up and say that at the start of the season, I and some of the reasons are just because I like Ryan Scott, um, mm-hmm. but also because I think he's a good keeper, was like, well, what is the, there's no point in bringing this guy in when you've got a, a, a keeper like Ryan Scott who's just broken through, had a good string of games, you know, ousted the previous number one in the old regime. Yeah. But I will, I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong, and uh, this time around, Jamie Young has proven me very much wrong. It's an interesting one, and hopefully it depends how they go in tonight's game against Melbourne Victory in the in the two-legged semi-finals too. Because I think Aloisi copped that uh, criticism at Brisbane too in terms of getting the the older players, and some of them haven't come up for the finals. We know Diamante yeah. and a few others, but um, look, he got him to third. He's into the semis. Um, they're going to be up against it going against sort of a almost two away legs at home, if that makes sense against the victory, <laughs> against the Victory fans and crowd. Um, yeah. 
yeah, so good luck to them. That was, but they did the perfect. Well, they had the perfect start. You know, one nil win, and, and and off you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that's a really, from a mental perspective, it was a very important win because let, let's not forget, going into this game, a lot of the pre-match chatter was about the hoodoo that existed yeah. for Western United against Wellington. You know, they'd lost all three of their meetings this season, hadn't beaten Wellington, I think, in nine fixtures, not since the first time they played each other in 2019 yep. when uh, Bessart Borussia scored uh, on the opening round of the season. So they hadn't won since that point and in any of the meetings this season. So it would have been a pretty significant uh, you know, monkey to get off, get off the back and, and something that gives you confidence that especially against teams that they have been able to put competitive performances against in victory and potentially City, we, we shall see, because uh, Adelaide United may still be in with the shot. We'll get a chance yeah. to talk about that later. Um, but that, w- that would give you just a, a massive mental boost and like an extra level of mental clarity to have overcome something like that. Yeah, it does, I'm sure. I mean, that... that- Again, for those head-to-head records kind of out the door when it comes to these finals. A lot of the talk is that yeah. City haven't haven't beaten anyone in the top four and they're up against uh, Adelaide United this season. And, and then if they do progress, they'll have Western United or Melbourne victory as well. So, I mean, I think it sort of goes out the door when it comes to these things. But um, well, for, I, for, I mean, Melbourne City will be hoping so because... Well, the other, yeah, <laughs> I, I, of course. But then the other thing with Western United is that no one expects them to beat Melbourne Victory now. They are completely backs against the wall. All the pundits are tipping Victory yeah. to win this. Um, and we'll see how that uh, plays out for them. Well, and, and the thing is that the the other concern, and, and not just in this game upcoming against Victory, but going into the Wellington game, was all the injuries they're, they're currently suffering, obviously. Mm-hmm. No Lustica, no Nikolai Topol Stanley, Diamante. We already know about that's been the case for a while. Um, you know, some of those names might return. Stephen Lustica might be available if they make it into the grand final. Dylan Parias might be available to play minutes this weekend. That's that's looking as though it's potential. We had Josh Risden just come back from injury in this game, and we'll I would imagine uh, without having looked at the starting lineup, which might be doing the rounds already, um, might have to start this evening too. So. Yeah, it's not going to... And they lost Rene Crin during the game. Mm-hmm. So they've got a lot of injuries to contend with. It will be an uphill battle against victory. But, um, yeah, it's... Look, I, I, the two legs, it just... It means that nothing is, is certain. Like, you can't be convinced of, of any single outcome. Like, victory could win this game 2-0, and then I wouldn't be shocked at all if Western United turned it around next you know, on Saturday afternoon when they play. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one without the away goals rule as well with the two-legged semis. Yeah. Well, so it would have been kind of weird to have away goals when the two legs are at Amy Park I as know. well. It just it would have been very wrong. Strange. Yeah, very strange. Um, Risden has been has been picked too, by the way. Yeah, good to know. Um, yeah, so... Sorry, I've lost my train of thought. No, 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 it's all good. Lucky what we're talking well, about. I, I want to just look quickly at the other side of this particular elimination final coin, which which was Wellington. Mm-hmm. Obviously, their season comes to an end. They did kind of. They were one of those teams in the the you know that kind of limped into finals. It was a bit of a um, you know a, a race in which everyone was kind of falling over one another to to get to into that out. last spot. <laughs> did. What did you make of their approach in this game? Because to me, watching them, it felt a little bit like they had gambled very significantly on history repeating 
itself in this game, which was them taking the lead first and then being able to score more against Western on the counter-attack. Uh, and I kind of just thought the minute they conceded that while they did rally in that, mm-hmm. that second half, it just felt as though their, their game plan was a little bit shot. They looked a little bit tired to me as well. Yeah. I think it's been a very long season for those guys. Um, and, you know, that sixth spot on the on the ladder, their goal difference was, was negative 12, 10 or 12, I think, as well. So they were, you know... Weren't, didn't have the best of seasons, but to still get a, a final spot. Yeah, a, dis, I'd say disappointing end to the season given what they've actually gone through, you know, only two games in New Zealand themselves and having to spend all that time uh, based in Sydney, you know, terrible crowds of 78 people and stuff like that. It's been and sometimes quite, no crowds at sometimes all. Sometimes no crowds, right, behind closed doors. So it's been a tough season for them. Um, I think the better team won in the, you know, the third, given that Western United were actually playing for top spot in the final game at yeah. some stage was still alive for a chance to win the plate. Uh, it's the right result. So we'll see how that works yeah. out. Well, Western, as we know, advance into the semifinal, which they're playing the first leg of this evening. The other semifinal, which arguably was probably the more captivating of these two games, was Adelaide United 3-1 over the Central Coast Mariners at Hindmarsh. And unfortunately... The biggest talking point that it, one of the bigger talking points to emerge from this game was one of the moments that uh, some people who are watching on on Ten Bolt mm-hmm. didn't see. But we'll, we'll get into that. Let's start with the actual game first. Adelaide, that they, they they seem to be. I mean, they were let into the game somewhat easily by that turnover from Kai Rolls that allows the the first goal to be scored, but. They seemed fairly comfortable after they they gained the ascendancy. Yeah, they they, they definitely were, and they they're going to be hard to beat um, at, in the the home leg of the semi final. It's quite daunting at Cooper Stadium, and and City haven't performed very well there over the previous seasons. The one thing that I took from the game specifically was the form of Craig Goodwin. Like mm. he pounced on that first goal, he set up Yangi for the for the second with his cross. Um, most of the highlights you watch for Adelaide this season, he's involved. He's, I mean, he's the dead ball specialist for them, but he's in some form. And hopefully, for the Socceroos' point of view, he keeps that form going. We missed him in the Japan game in Sydney where we, uh, we lost that uh, leg in the rain and he would have made a difference. He was out with, uh, with COVID protocols. Um, yeah, Goodwin was in some tremendous form. Uh, he goes again tomorrow night against Melbourne City on the Sunday. But, uh, yeah, I, I watched the game on, on Paramount because, you know... Likewise. If you've, uh, if and you've, thank God we did. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. But I watched it and then when Robbie Thompson actually, the commentator, said, oh... After the first goal, we're just going to go. Someone came off injured. We're just going to go to a commercial, and then Goodwin crossed to Yingy almost like seconds later. And I thought to myself, if this is on free to air, which it is, because they've actually said we're crossing to commercial, they've yeah. clearly missed this. They've, they've actually missed the goal, and clearly missed the goal they did. As many many people on soccer Twitter were quick to let them know about the one, this- the, the one, one person, one person, and I forgot their their handle, but they actually said. I'm watching on 10 bold to boost the metrics for my sport. <laughs> the only reason he goes, I've got a Paramount subscription and the only reason I'm watching it on 10 bold is to boost the metrics and he's missed the goal because of it. So um, we talked a little bit off air, like you're alienating the rusted on fans with some of these things. We've been talking about the TV coverage every week since it started. Um, when, we, when they got the Paramount Channel 10 deal, everyone's like, this is awesome. We're on free to air. We've got a Saturday night game. This is amazing for the sport and it's like it just seems to be a massive own goal. Like they're showing all of the finals, which is wonderful, but they've had um, designated drink breaks when it hasn't been hot enough so they could go to commercials. Then they said, oh, we'll stop that. We'll actually work towards, you know, working out when the injuries are and that kind of thing. 
they've just 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 stumbled so badly. The, the, the official line from Ten Football at the conclusion of the game was unfortunately due to human error we missed airing a goal we uh, sincerely apologize for this error Uh, apparently the the ins and outs of it were that there was going to be you know the the injury stoppage and someone had already cued the ad but of course the referee didn't allow the injured player to get that treatment and play continued uh, or to make the substitution, sorry, yep. and so play continued, and that's how the goal was missed. But I would put it to you, Jason, that the human error is the real human error that's that's led to all this is not the human error of pushing the button to cue the Macca's ad. Yep. The real human error is making the decision to allow that sort of thing in the first place. Because if you don't allow that, if you don't have that step, then whether or not someone cues an ad at an inopportune moment. Uh, or not, is a complete irrelevance. Just don't do it in the first place so you don't even run the risk of something like this happening. You are spot on. So if the game, if the half is end-to-end, right, where there's no breaks, right, say the half won't happen, but it goes end-to-end, right, constantly back and forth where there is actually no chance for anyone to to draw breath, they don't show a commercial. It's the finals. Don't show a commercial. I understand the need for them to make some money. You've got plenty of time outside of the 90 minutes. There's also pop-up ads that other sports do quite easily that you can do um screen and screen if it's necessary for that there's there's ways around it and, and they haven't done it and i if you just avoid cutting away from my coverage of the game and breaking yep. my immersion if you just don't do that i am happy to take whatever other ads you're offering me with within reason like we already have the harvey norman replay i am more than content to have the Macca's substitution, the you know, McCafe red card. I will take that if it means I can watch the game end to end. And on the Saturday night games where they've actually scheduled two games on, so a couple of times this season they might write the Sydney-Brisbane games for the northern market and the Melbourne-Adelaide game is for the southern market. If a goal scores in the other game, they pop up a little screen and it'll show you the highlights of the goal in the corner. They can't. They can't. So do clearly, that we can do. Yeah, we can do PIP. We've got for... the technology. Wow, like it's amazing. In 2022, that football is still going to ads during play, the 45 minutes. Who's to blame? Is it the deal that we did with Channel 10 that that's allowed them to do that? It's not a clause. Can they not look at it again? Yeah. Well, or I mean, we run the risk of actually losing free to air. The, the thing, the thing that really makes me scratch my head about all of this, Jason, is that that obviously. In the months leading up to the finals, Danny Townsend has been questioned about all of these things. These are not new issues for us, and has sort of made the point that it's about um, it's about getting you know minimum viable product. And this refers more to the the rewinds and the pause and play and all that sort of thing. I put it to you that a sports streaming service that doesn't have pause and play, doesn't have rewind, mm. and doesn't have the goals, that is not a minimum viable product. That's not MVP. That is short of that. Yeah, he, he rated himself uh, on his performance at the Football Writers Festival. How has your first season been ahead of the APL? He gave himself a 3 out of 10, okay? And and I'm fixing it with a short list. I mean, respect to him for, 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 for owning it. being that severe. Yeah. Um, and he did say in terms of them fixing problems, it was quite a memorable quote. He said, you, you whack the crocodiles that are closest to the canoe. Well, I think this crocodile has been closest to the canoe for a long, long time. It's the start it's, of the it's coverage. Been tailing. They've formed oh. a little chain behind the canoe. So his list of 35 marquee players, which we'll get to as well, which are going to be the sugar hit for the, for the A-Leagues, get the TV coverage right. You can't be what you can't see. If the kids can't yeah. watch the television to see the goals, what are they watching it for? Yeah, and look, Adelaide 
In the end, they progressed through to the semi-final over the Central Coast Mariners. But unfortunately, as has, been the, yeah. as has been the case a number of times this season with a few great games, and this was a pretty good game that we watched. It was a, yep. a good 7 out of 10 game, and no one is talking about the actual football because we missed a not insignificant portion of it. So the A-League at the moment starved of uh, consistent uh, broadcast quality. But the only way to fix... Uh, you know, starvation mm. sometimes is with a little bit of a sugar hit. <laughs> uh, so we might go to a, a little bit of a break, Jason, here on the Oz Football Hour. And on the other side, we're going to have a little bit of a sugar hit and talk about this proposed marquee fund along with a, a, a marquee manager appointment over at MacArthur as well. So uh, prepare yourself for a, a very angry Jason Goldsmith on the other side of this break here on the Oz Football Hour. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Yeah! Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Mafia. I hope you've got your natural confectionery company lollies ready, Jason Goldsmith, because we are here to talk about a nice little sugar hit for the A-League. Danny Townsend announcing last week that the A-Leagues have drawn up a list of 35 world-class players that they'll target in the off-season in a bid to recover declining fan interest amid the coronavirus pandemic. Lockie Flanagan, Jason Goldsmith here on the Oz Football Hour to dissect this radical... Free-thinking, new-wave policy from from the APL. I'm being a little bit too sarcastic. We, okay. we should let's let's actually actually discuss it. Um, when you saw this fly across uh, your desk, Jason, it did come as a little bit of a surprise because it was at announced or slipped out by Danny Townsend at this Western United function. So not an official announcement or anything, no, but uh, he, um, here it is. He did the the Football Writers Festival in Jamboree. He flagged that one of the things they were looking at for their APL to the, in the next coming seasons is is marquee or big name players. The fact that they've got a short list of thirty five, I think, is the big news. The fact that they're looking at marquees is not really an issue because we we get that seem to be every year we get that kind of conversation talking point. I mean, we talked about Daniel Sturridge a lot this season, Jack Rodwell for a, a tiny bit as well. But the fact that they've got a 35 list of players that they're looking for, I think he mentioned that they're going to actually be part of promotion as well. Um, as well as promotion, that these guys will be involved with clinics and, and promoting the game and the clubs rather than just being, say, a Alessandro Del Piero who turns up and plays quite well and then he... Um, you know, goes goes to his own dressing Doesn't room. Doesn't really do too much in the in the way of media. Does nothing in the terms of media. Got his own dressing room and and sort of leaves and departs and that kind of thing. So, it it's an interesting one. Personally, that money that they've got, I do want do not want to see them waste this money. And all I can see is that they're going to waste this money because if it's going on like some aging superstar that's going to come in here and get a few bums on seats. Uh, pump pump the crowds up for the first few games as they normally do. Then if they're not quite up to scratch, they sort of um, taper off, gets a few back pages, uh, gets a few TV sort of headlines on the news, and then then it kind of goes. The money that they've got, they need to be reinvesting in a streaming service and a TV coverage that actually works and doesn't alienate their rusted-on fans, and and perhaps even getting active support back and involved with the Mm. game. 
because it's a short-term fix and uh, Australia has been doing it since the 1970s. Well, you wrote a, a book on, on this very thing. I, I did. Uh, Lucas Gillard and I called Be My Guest and it's all about the marquee and the guest players I, that I come mean, into the game. I mean, you, you would be better placed than most people to know. Is this something, I mean, clearly... Is, is this something that has, has worked long-term for any of the clubs that have explored that sort of guest player star signing avenue over the years? Like, I'm sure it's brought some short-term tangible success, but has it ever laid the foundations in your research for something bigger? No, we looked at it and we tried to work out how can you actually measure it? How do you measure the success? Mm. Because in terms of crowds, absolutely, it bumps the crowds up. If you look at every, every sort of marquee gets the crowd in and it bumps them up. I guess the most recent example that we can use, Luke, talk about David Villa at Melbourne City. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about um, Melbourne Heart have been bought out by the City Football Group. They rebranded, right, we're going to do a massive, we're going to do a hard launch. We're going to bring a World Cup winner from from Spain in David Villa. He's come out on the rule that we've got a 10-game marquee contract, which is the rule at the time. So we're bringing out Villa on 10 games. So they promote that. He's coming out on the 10-game contract. Um, he does all. He's all the face of all the promotion of the new club. First couple of games, he, he comes on in Sydney and he scores. Next mm-hmm. game in in Melbourne, it's uh, I think I mentioned. It's only like a couple of times that Melbourne City have opened the top tier of Amy Park. That's a non-derby crowd, and they've had to do it because the interest is there. Yeah. Um, but he only stayed for four games. If he had stayed for four games, yeah, they told it everyone. Ended up being a bit of a sham, didn't it? Four games, two goals, big home crowds. Right. I mean, he was good when he played, but Correct. it was he the fact twice, that he, but yeah. he, everyone thought he was here for ten games. Yeah. They sold memberships based on that. Yeah, um, a, a lot of people did end up feeling very cheated by, it, right? by so the way that things turned out. Didn't like it at all. Um, and if you go back, uh, this, this is like it's littered with actual names that come through. The crowds are big. The newspaper support's there. But do the crowds keep coming back? You might pick up a couple of younger fans that maybe, you know, might have been, yeah. you know, um, Barcelona fans or whatever that came to watch that's now continue to go to Melbourne City games. But you can't really measure it. It's, that well so it depends on the players that they get through because a lot of the times they've got these big name players Daniel Sturridge haven't worked but when they've got a Bessart Barisha as the marquee it's worked or Ninkovic the, yeah. has worked it's, right it, the, the the fact that this is the the strategy that's being pursued in the wake of we've just had this done with one club and Daniel Sturridge saw what less 118 minutes or something like that yeah but anyway anyway you you bring up the David Villa thing, and it was it was a, a a short term little benefit, and we didn't see those crowds of between fourteen and fifteen thousand really sustained throughout mm-hmm. that season for City. But but David Villa is just one name that you know if we were to draw up a list of thirty five yep. players at the time probably would have been on that list. But what about if it's four or five of those names? You know, yeah. For, for example, okay. Single marquees come and go, don't necessarily have a, a lasting long-term yep. impact. Is there a chance that if we have a, a, a bevy of them, say as we did thinking back to 2012-13 where mm-hmm. we had Shinji Ono, Emil Heskey and Alessandro Del Piero, you know, chief of the yep. trio, joining in, is there a chance that if we build that kind of thing in the coming season with four or five top, top quality names that it could have a tangible benefit? Or, or do you think we, you know, sort of need to be putting the, um, you know, 
or not putting the the cart before the horse? I, I'm not sure. See, like I, what you're saying in terms of getting the, all those names in one hit, yes, that works. So there's, there was a famous game in 1977 where you had Malcolm McDonald, the leading uh, goal scorer for Arsenal, play against Charlie George. Uh, he was playing at Derby County at the same. They played in the same game. They got fifteen thousand to a game on a Queen's birthday holiday in Melbourne, which was, um, you know, up against like five VFL games. It was a massive success. Um, you look at Del Piero's first goal. He's playing against Heskey, um, and that's a massive sellout crowd in Sydney as well. So yeah, they work. They absolutely, they absolutely do work. But we, I think we have bigger problems at the moment. So they need to fix mm. a few of the basics before they move on to this. So this is like the first season of of it being uncoupled from. Um, Football Australia, and then running their own. They've had a lot of COVID interruptions. They've got flagging ratings, flagging crowds, flagging interest. That they probably need to do a few short-term fixes to do that before they move into yeah. this. Um, and but they say they're jumping in to, to look at these marquees. I think I think this is the element of all of this that kind of maybe maybe confuses me and, and aggravates me a little bit. Is that look, I'm, I'm sure the APL Paramount. These are big organisations. They're they're yep. capable of addressing multiple issues or you'd like to think they're capable of addressing multiple issues in a single off-season. But the extent of the problems, not just with Paramount, for example, but the launch of the Keep Up platform, which has a content strategy that seems to be, uh, A, quite muddled, yeah. uh, and B, not not having nearly the amount of cut-through that, that anyone would have hoped, and C, also just at sometimes not really functioning in the way that it should. There's already uh, quite a lot on the plate to resolve this off-season. And as I said, maybe we're capable of dealing with all of these things at the same time. But I, I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that that can be the case. Like, can we not just sort of focus on rectifying the basics? Let's get a stream that works. Let's get our dedicated digital hub actually functioning and mm-hmm. delivering the content that Australian football fans want to see. And then once we've built those things uh, in a way that's sustainable and attractive, then we look towards the marquees. Maybe yeah. they can do it all at once, but I'm just not convinced we've seen any evidence to suggest that we have. So the, no, I don't think, I don't think we have either. And so the thing that we need to lean on is more the Australian angle of this sport so the, the leading the leading soccer stories or football stories this week on mainstream media have been Ange Postacoglu winning for Celtic, an Australian manager. Uh, Liverpool winning the FA Cup was kind of there but glossed over. Sam Kerr winning the FA Cup for Chelsea, absolutely. Australian girl from the A-League that's actually done this. Um, uh, Jake Daniels, uh, a footballer for Blackpool who's, who's come out, but he's also... Um, attributed uh, inspiration to Josh Cavallo from the A-League who came out earlier in the season, mm. right? Well, these are Australian stories, right, that they can work on, but they don't actually work on it well enough in my point of view because we've now got um, – we had 10 Australian coaches in the A-League this season, which is now going to be nine from next season because we've appointed a big name that's never coached. Well, yeah, I mean, shall we go from marquee players maybe, to... Uh, maybe, to, otherwise we get, could be here all day. Yeah, let, 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 let's look. There are plenty, plenty of um, things still to gloss over in the marquee discussion. We might get that in future weeks or maybe when we start to see them walking through the door. But let's <laughs> move on to the, um, <laughs> the MacArthur FC appointment that has clearly taken some inspiration from this marquee star name strategy, but applying it in a bit of a different way. Dwight York the former Sydney FC Manchester United superstar uh, being appointed as head coach 
uh, of the Bulls. And if you're not familiar with his uh, coaching background, uh, here's his CV. That's his CV. He has not coached before, uh, no managerial experience whatsoever, and yet he is getting set to uh, lead the Bulls into the next A-League season. Very good. You got the, the applause there from, uh, from out Thank the you. back. Thank you. I, I, do, I do it all yeah. for, the, for Procure, our producer. So all, all, night, all night, Dwight. So he got his coaching badges. I had a look. We looked this up. He got his coaching badges in 2009. So he finished playing, got his coaching badges, but he hasn't actually coached. He got the A-League All-Stars gig, first of all, and there was talk that he applied for the, the Perth Glory job as well. Uh, and doing some research, he actually applied for the Aston Villa job that went to Stevie Gerrard. Um, he said he's applied for that job three times and had no response. Was that, maybe that's because you haven't coached before, Dwight. I also think it's massively tone deaf because we just had Ange Postacoglu lift a trophy in Europe. We've got Joe Montemuro lifting a trophy in, in Italy as well. And we're talking about, Ange was talking about the golden generation of Australian coaches now. And we're talking about Musket in Japan. We're talking about Popovich and what he's done um, and all these Aussies doing really well. Um, you know, Paddy Kiznorbo, we're talking about John Aloisi back in the game, um, all Australian coaches, and they've gone and appointed one that's not an Australian. Yeah. Not that there's a rule there, but um, that hasn't coached before. And, and it's, it's not even the fact that it's it's a, a coach with a big name. That, like, f- for example, if, if someone with a really massive... I'm going to throw out a really obscure example. If like a, a Marcello Lippi, for example. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, they, if they came down and coached here, they may still be a few of these frustrations. But at least you're appointing in a marquee manager someone who has done, actual, done, yeah, good, you know, board, he's a big yeah. name, but he's a big name in a coaching sense and not just a big name in a footballing sense, which is exactly what Dwight York is. And really the other reference point we have for this kind of thing is uh, is Robbie Fowler at Brisbane Raw, and, and yeah, I put it to you, Jason. Yeah, how that what what, what, yeah. what legacy has what legacy has Robbie Fowler left on the A League men's competition? His biggest contribution was the to, player. He, he, I mean, his his biggest contribution, in my view, to to the game in his time here was his beef with people on soccer Twitter and the yeah. amount of content that created for you know the weirdos in in that in that world, which of, of before I get uh, cancelled by Soccer Twitter. Very much one of those weirdos, so don't stress. I had to cover hey, that look, off. Look, Robbie Fowler did well as a player here, and he was probably at that age marquee level that we're looking at, that, um, that Danny Townsend's looking at, as did Dwight York, right? But it makes us look like a, a footballing backwater if we're, we're, we're literally appointing these guys based on their name, not on anything they've done as a manager. Like... We've appointed Dwight York because he used to bang goals in for Aston Villa and, and Man United. Yeah, and and look, he could very well, well, actually not necessarily, but there's a chance that he could come in and do an excellent job with the Bulls, potentially. But even if he does, I don't think that would change my feelings of animosity and like sort of angst towards the initial decision because it's it's the thought process that that's led up to it. So uh, is almost yeah the the results ha- that happen thereafter are almost secondary for me. It's the actual decision making and the thought processes that have led to making this appointment in the first place that I think are sort of reflective of the particularly in the last week very shallow short sighted thinking that we we can have in this game because I mean marquee players. We've been speaking about them. They they have maybe a short term boost. Don't necessarily leave a long term legacy. What does a marquee coach bring? 
they don't bring any tangible benefits in terms of crowd numbers. No one is going out of their way to go and watch Dwight York manage an A-League team. Like, if you bring Marcelo Bielsa down, mm. maybe, like I said, with the Lippy example, there's enough of a coaching pedigree there to be like, okay, that's I'm interested to see what Bielsa does in the A-League. But the average person, I don't think they could give less of a stuff what Dwight York, who hasn't coached before, has the same coaching credentials, notwithstanding his badges, as you and I, um, managing. I don't this is... It's not going to bring any tangible benefit... Off the park, maybe it's bringing the ladies in. Maybe yeah, that's well, what trying to do. maybe, yeah. but I mean that that's that's more a Dwight. That's more a Dwight problem than um, a MacArthur problem. So, Lockie, West Southwest Sydney, MacArthur. Yes, do you reckon they considered Harry Kuehl? Yeah, well, that 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 was right. This is an Australian manager who's he had a couple of gigs in. He tried, got his badge, unsuccessful. I'm, well, the thing is, the thing with Kuehl is, I'm not sure he necessarily wants to come back to the A League just yet. Maybe, maybe that's the sticking at least he's, point. He's there. had a he's had a crack though, League Two, and yeah, whatever. And, uh, then, and then he was at a, a lower tier club as well. Still, so I'm not sure if he's still managing. But like, if you want a, a name, at least tried. That's that's probably a better option. Yeah, I, I just don't really think. I can't see what benefits this brings. Like people might talk about it, might get some uh, uh, a bit of a run in the British press, but no one no one is going out of their way to go and watch MacArthur off the back of this. And the other part is, is if this is a failure, if he does play bad football, MacArthur have already had enough off field problems in terms of getting people to attend their games with a team that was making finals, with a team that had Daniel De Silva and Ulysses De Villa this season. If Dwight York is a flop as well, and they struggle as a result. They've got even bigger problems than they do now, which is the opposite of what they're supposed to be trying to address in the offseason. I'm going to, I'm going to borrow something that I that I heard from a, another <laughs> another broadcast. Do you think he's going to live in Macarthur, or do you think he's going to live around Double Bay? Well, yeah, I mean, he might saunter down. To... Remember when he played? There was rumours, which I've had disproved. There was rumours that he had a the apartment that he was renting. That he had a hot tub installed on, on the balcony, and then even in his book, he talks about bringing his white Lamborghini, having it shipped over to Australia. So, like the, this whole, he's not going to be down and dirty Western suburbs type. Yeah person to coach them either no. like he's he's, he's bringing the come down he's the bling MacArthur can't be based on bling because they need to try and attract the people of Campbelltown and around the surrounds the working class and and the rest into the into the club it's like it's a name but, but it's not going to resonate I, with him there is, is not a single I would would be willing to say there is not a single person if we went down there Vox Pops in the southwest Sydney area and said are you going to watch MacArthur because Dwight York is their manager you would not find a single person he's also, who would say yes. He's also been out of the game for 13 or 14 yeah. years well, too. See, so see, the, supporters, got... the supporters that they want aren't old enough to remember him and, win, and winning his... the treble for, for Man U. And his badges, you know, we're talking about, we've made so much discussion about the people who were supporting him. Um, you know, Mark Bosnich is obviously a close friend of his and a, no yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing, yeah. No, nothing against Bozza for advocating for, for Dwight to be given a run and to ask him about interest in coaching. But like... A lot of conversation about his badges. He got his badges in 2010. Mm. His, his coaching education is a decade old. His playing experience, he retired in 2009. The dressing room environment of that era of football is not the same necessarily as the one that you walk in now. So how much of that is necessarily relevant? For the, for the good of the sport, I hope that we are very, very wrong. But recent history suggests that we're probably not going to be 
very wrong. I'd love to be disproven. Okay, I'd love but, to be done in 12 months' time going, MacArthur's in the grand final. Hasn't Dwight been fantastic? And look at that lease of life he's brought for them. Yeah, and- but the thing is, best case scenario, oh, he does a great job as manager. But, uh, like, that's the best. No one is, no one, even if they're doing well, no one's going to come because Dwight York is there. So, by that logic, we could have appointed an Australian manager mm-hmm. who, who could have done the same job and basically had the same impact, but cost MacArthur a lot less money. I just don't think this is going to bring the tangible benefits that whoever made this decision thinks that it's it's going to provide. Maybe, right? MacArthur are, are, are struggling a little bit. Maybe this is with the marquee side effects as, as well. So perhaps MacArthur gets someone that Dwight York's connected to and that is the boost that they require and that's what they're gambling on. Yeah, I, wonder, I wonder how yeah. many I wonder how many people Dwight York knows personally on that 35 uh, list of 35 markets. Well, maybe that might be a difference. Maybe that's maybe we're, we're looking at it the wrong way. Maybe he's like this is Dwight York and he's going to get you know three or four X-Man U guys from his connections that are going to be playing dotted around the league, you know. Who knows? Let's wait and see. But I and, and then I'd love what? to be proven wrong. And then what? That's 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 my question. Yeah, with all, yeah. all of these new news items we've seen come through in the off-field sense in the past week, I'm like that. Okay, great. And then what? What happens after? I'm not sure. And that's it's not a it'd, question. It'd be, an update, it'd be an update to his book, I'm sure, because that finishes in in 2010. So we'll oh, it would it would be the only chapter that isn't related to you know, ladies. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Anyway, let's hopefully we're proven wrong. Um, you know. <laughs> History tells us these big name international coaches aren't a long term success. And if he's looking for Australia to be the stepping stone into bigger things for himself, too, that's also didn't work out for Robbie, did it? Yeah. Well, look, only time will tell, Jason. We could end up uh, with egg on our faces this mm. time next year, or as my suspicion is, we could end up uh, feeling somewhat vindicated. Um, the other bit of positive off-field news that we had, or interesting off-field news yep. at, at least, uh, where it relates to individual awards, is the Alex Tobin medal, Yes, uh, which we saw Connor Metcalf take out despite finishing level on points with Anthony Caceres, both pulling 21 points across the season, but uh, Metcalf getting the nod because of more man-of-the-match performances. That's correct, yes. Did you, looking back on this, think that, Metcalf is a, a justified winner for for best player of the season. He's had a, a very good he has season. Had a good year. Yeah, yeah. Has I've, he had the best year though of anyone else? Well, it was quite quite tight when you look at the voting. I had Craig Goodwin as my my pick, who was one vote back on twenty. Um, Berenguer, I thought, had a better season for for City, but he's yeah. been injured. Um, Metcalf has earned a contract in Germany based on this season as well, uh, along with Oli Roos and, and Socceroos form too. Um, they finished on top of the ladder. So we get a lot of votes. Caceres is the one that's really, to me, stepped up a lot this season. Yeah. Um, he's been around the A-League for a long time. Um, and Sydney FC weren't very good this year, as we know. Well, I think, I think maybe that's the, the, the big deciding factor in this, with, with the exception of Metcalf. A, lo- a lot of the players you look at in that top five, with the exception of, you know, Jay O'Shea and, uh, and Anthony Caceres, mm. have had to contend with another player. Like for me, my best player of the season is probably Daniel Pena. Yep. But he's probably had a fair few votes taken off him by Tadze, for example. Correct. He was only a vote off. He had 20 as well. So he finished equal yeah. second. And so yep. if, if Beckham-Mikultadze is, is maybe having a slightly less big of an impact, taking slightly less points, we might see Pena as, as, as the best player. And yeah, Berenguer, maybe the, maybe the difference in the end for Metcalf is just the fact that Florian Berenguer missed those couple of games and, and, and that was enough. That was when he turned it on and, and 
got this over the line. Maybe. A side note to this as well, we talked about, you know, Paramount burying goals and that kind of thing. How hard was it for us to find the votes for this? This took so long. Oh. Yeah, so we, we started it at, at – we were in the room at 6.45, ready yep. to go, set up. We didn't start until 6.03 because we spent all of that time just trying to find – I'm being told it's 6.05 that we started by our producer. Yep. Well, that's even worse. That's, it took us five whole minutes to try and locate the – Alex Tobin list of like points scored. Yep. There was, and I know there was a graphic that went out during last week. I cannot find it anywhere now. You couldn't even Google it. So it's not and on- the source that we've got is a, an off, a non-verified Twitter account, but it definitely has the right results. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you, see, you can't be what you can't see. There's some few basics they need to get right. Maybe everyone's focused on the final tonight. You know, it's 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 yesterday's news. We're looking towards. Uh, the, the the semi-finals, the home and away legs for the, the last four, last five games to go. Well, we'll we've, down to that. we've 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 had a uh, a very aggravating stint in front of the microphones uh, talking about marquee players, marquee coaches. I think we should take a a little break to to decompress. And on the other side, here on the Oz Football Hour, we will look ahead to those uh, those semi-finals and celebrate a, a few of our Aussies abroad as well. But uh, stick around on the other side of this break here on the Oz Football Hour. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Yeah! Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Final stretch here on the Oz Football Hour, and we are T minus 10 minutes. From the first semi-final, kicking off between Western United and Melbourne Victory. We've got to keep this all podcast relevant, so a quick prediction from you, Jason, for the first leg and then another from across the two legs. Because, yeah, we don't, we, we don't want to we don't want to give it too much time for the uh, the precious podcast listeners. No, I, I'm thinking Victory are going to, to win. Tonight? Uh, on both legs, actually. Wow. Yep. So, so United, no... United's the first, United's the home team tonight and Melbourne Victory the week after. So I'm going for, for Victory... Yeah. Um, to win outright in both yes. leg one and leg two. Yeah, they'll take a win into Saturday, I think, and then wow. have their home support. That is, a, that is a big call. I'm going to say tonight uh, is a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'm going to go for the Western United upset. Yeah. I'm going to go for the Western United <laughs> upset. But anyway, the uh, the more podcast-relevant, podcast-safe semifinal yes. that we can talk about uh, for our on-demand listeners is Adelaide United coming up against Melbourne City, uh, kicking off on Wednesday night mm-hmm. at Hindmarsh. Yes, I think this semi-final could be absolute chaos. This is the one that's the yeah. This is the one that could be the it's it's actually it's a genuine home game for Adelaide as opposed to the other one. So mm. and Adelaide have a fantastic record against City at uh, at Hindmarsh, and I think Adelaide will it'll either be a a two all draw or an Adelaide win going into Sunday's return leg. So I think Adelaide a draw or Adelaide in the in their home semi. And then a, a city win in their home semi, and depending on how that will actually look. Well, I've got a I've, out. I've got a question for you, Jason, mm-hmm. and a question for the listeners. What well. do you know? The last time that Melbourne City got a win at Hindmarsh, I do not. According to my my research in the regular, I think it was in the regular season mm-hmm. of twenty eighteen. Okay, so a while back. Yeah, I think yeah, August twenty eight or October twenty eighteen or something. Which like means that. Two, which one of two things, right? They're not going to win. That's or a the, long. That's a long time. Or they're well overdue. <laughs> so maybe we we'll see how that. Yeah, but but I, I, I think this. I think this first for me, 
the Leggett Hindmarsh decides the tie. Yep. It decides the whole thing because we've seen City not lose. They haven't lost the games. At, lost both games at Hindmarsh, obviously, this year. They had the two-all draw uh, and then the loss at Amy Park against Adelaide as yep. well, which was a little bit more surprising. But we've seen them historically struggle at this venue. Adelaide bring a great noise. Tactically on the field, they bring quite a high-pressing uh, approach, which yep. I think... City often struggle with as they try to progress the ball out of the back and you know when Adelaide aren't bringing their numbers high up the pitch they are playing in transition quite a lot City will dominate the ball Adelaide will have chances on the break and that's probably the area in which City have been the most vulnerable defending those counter and, and especially late and that's when Adelaide have come to the yeah. party with those so, goals so. so if Adelaide can really get their fans to generate a lot of noise create a bit of havoc in this game and win 2-0, for example, or 3-1 in this game. I reckon they can take that to Amy Park and just conserve, defend, 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 try and grab a goal on the break, and that's enough. If City can draw this game or get an outright win, I think they've got enough to go back to Amy Park and get the result that they need. But this first leg is comparative to the two Amy Park legs between Weston and Victory, where it doesn't really matter. Um, this is pivotal. And whoever wins this game uh, on Wednesday night, I think that decides the outcome across two legs. I think there'll be a lot of goals Wednesday night. Um, I think the way Adelaide play and the form that Goodwin's in and the players they've got up front and as opposed to City's attacking threats of um, McLaren, Leckie and Naboot, that I I can see a lot of goals um, in the first leg. So I'm looking at 2-2 or 3-2 either way. uh, there's no away goals as we mentioned as well. So the goal, if the goal difference is only one, it puts it back right into play for for the return okay. leg. Yeah. I'm going to press you for a, a prediction across the two legs. So game one, game two, and then leading that into a into a final result. Okay, so I'll give you three two for Adelaide to beat City on Wednesday. Wow. Okay. And then, and then two nil City on Sunday. So four three they advance yeah. Melbourne City into the grand final. Nice and tight. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to say three one tomorrow. Okay. And then I'm going to say 2 0 mm-hmm. City on the Sunday tie. Yeah. Adelaide win on penalties. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, Tommy Glover's form hasn't been too crash hot lately, so see how we go. Yeah, so Gauchy, there yeah. we go. We, we've we've gone opposite directions with both grand finalists. So yep. for you, it's a, it's a Melbourne Derby grand final, which I think yes. for most neutral viewers is the preferred outcome. Uh, me, I've got the very unpopular Adelaide Third United Western yes. United, okay. the, uh, the the United yeah. clash yeah. Uh, for the grand final, which is maybe a little bit unpopular, but I don't think it's beyond the realms of, of possibility. Uh, finals football, anything can happen. I mean, the thing no. is, uh, with the maybe exception of that one, not the best like tangible value for, for the neutral. I mean, you've either got a Melbourne Derby Grand Final, or if victory go through in Adelaide, you've got the original Derby as the Grand Final. So either of those two is going to be an absolute corker. We don't know how it's going to go, Mm -hmm. but we are excited to see how the uh, the pieces of this final four jigsaw fit together. Uh, Before we go, Jason, a little bit of an Aussies abroad wrap. We've had a lot of uh, Aussies or do exciting things, or either get set. To do exciting things, where do you want to? Where do you want to head to? Which well, country should we start? In? We'll, we'll start Thursday morning. So uh, Rustic is in the Europa League final. Yes, Eintracht uh, Frankfurt playing against Rangers, Rangers in yep. uh, in Seville. So that's Thursday morning. So that's the interesting one. And then uh, Friday morning, we've got the League Two playoff where Swindon Town is taking on Port Vale in the in England, and uh, obviously the Swindon Town being owned by an Australian. Then we've got Saturday morning. We've got Ellie Carpenter in the Champions, Champions League, League final, final for yeah. uh, Lyon. 
against Barcelona. Um, free, I believe, Pakua has just said you can watch that on YouTube on Saturday morning. And then Saturday night at midnight is the League One playoff at Wembley. Sunderland, uh, a chance to actually make it into the championship. And our, our friend of ours from uh, of FNR, Ian, Ian Sison, Sison yeah. has actually flown over there um, with his sons to watch Sunderland and Wembley. So you can follow him on uh, social media and he's, he's got a blog about it as well. So that would be an interesting that's one great. for him. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, heard, I've heard a few stories from Rangers people, uh, Ian as well, who have, who have gone across and made that dash. It, it's something that I, I would love to love to do. Um, and considered even doing for the Scottish Cup final this weekend. Rangers obviously have got the Europa League final first against mm-hmm. Aidan Rustic's Eintracht Frankfurt, and then they've got to go up against Cam Devlin and Nathaniel Atkinson's Hearts Saturday yes. night at 12am. So it, it, it's a bit of an Australian... What are you hoping for out of the Thursday morning then, that the Rangers get battered around? I've, I've, or, been, I've been very... And, and lost, or you extremely, to... I'm extremely conflicted about yeah. this, Jason, because on the one hand, being a Hearts fan, you always want Rangers to lose. Yes. So there's the part of me that wants the worst possible outcome for Rangers, which is yep. for them to lose uh, in the Europa League final and then hopefully lose the Scottish Cup as well. However, there's also the part of me that wants to just advance the entire brand of Scottish football. Yes. And in that uh, you know, train of thought, the best outcome is for Rangers to win and everyone to be and up they, and about about Scottish football. And then they drop the ball because they're still and partying then, and celebrating. Okay, so yep. here's, here's the best possible outcome for me. The, the, the one that fulfills kind of both uh, desires in my mind, including Hearts, obviously yep. getting the result. Rangers and Eintracht Frankfurt go to extra time. It's a grueling, <laughs> yep. you know, physical encounter at uh, the Ramon Sanchez Piruan or whatever that Seville Stadium is called. There's there's too many yep. names in there. Uh, grueling 120 minutes of football. Uh, penalties. I would ten pro- nine. I don't. Ten nine I don't really care which way it goes because you either get Rangers losing on penalties, really emotional, really you know flat down. Probably better for them to win, so they're partying for three days, and then who cares about the Scottish Cup? We've just won the Europa League. You know, we'll let Hearts have it. Uh, and that would be the best possible outcome for, for the two Aussies as well. So that would be the best result for those Aussies, not so much for Aiden Krustic. But but anyway, that's that's my outcome is Rangers winning on penalties after the biggest slog of an hour and a half of football and then Hearts trouncing them on, on Saturday at 12pm. Yeah, everyone's happy. I should say as well, for anyone who is interested in watching that Scottish Cup final, not just from the comfort of your own home, uh, the... Melbourne supporting Hearts fans will be at the Imperial mm-hmm. on Saturday night. So very easy place to get to if you're coming from the semi-final, uh, the second leg between Weston and Victory on Saturday afternoon. Yes. Uh, just trundle your way you over. Five get hours a, to kill a, and a, have a few you points. Get a yeah. little dinner in between and then come watch the final. And you can check out our Hearts Supporters Australia for, you know, if you're in New South Wales, South Australia, Western Australia, you want to see what the, the plans are there. But it, it's going to be a, a good environment, I think. That's a very good plug and good luck. I hope uh, your team gets up. Yeah, I cross my fingers, but against Rangers, I don't think that's enough. You cross your fingers, you cross your toes. Uh, there you go. Bring out the rabbit's feet, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Where else? Is there is there anything else we should be uh, no, keeping abreast of? Oh, um, Joe Montemiro won the the women with Juventus. Uh, I think we've uh, we overlooked that. Or we might have mentioned it quickly. And um, and Sam Kerr, of course, winning the the FA Cup with Chelsea with that. Two goals and one disallowed as well against Man yeah. City. And I mean, the, the, like the quality of her last few goals, both obviously on the final day of the league and in the cup as well, have been pretty, pretty good. On the big stage, they've been insane. Let's be honest; they've been they've been pretty good for her to to step up when when required. So she scored twice in the FA Cup last year as well, I think, from uh, from memory. So 
<laughs> so Arsenal fans don't want to talk about that, so that's okay. Fair but yeah, that, that's about it. And then uh, and then next week we're back with the grand final preview for the A League. I guess. Yeah, perfect. Well, we'll have the grand final preview next week, but plenty of important finals for Australians in this country and uh, and elsewhere around the uh, around the world. And we'll get to dig into that. Uh, next week, but for now, on the Oz Football Hour for tonight, uh, that's where we end. Just myself, Lockie Flanagan, and Jason Goldsmith. If you've missed any of our of our hour, you can catch us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. This will all be available. Uh, just skip through the uh, the very brief Western United victory preview. But until next week for our grand final preview, uh, have a great week in football and uh, enjoy your semi final weekend. Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. That's gis.sport.fnr.